Well, good morning. Oh, that wasn't too bad. We'll try it again, though. Good morning. That's better. It's really, really good to be here with you this morning. So excited to be in, uh, in your fellowship. And uh, I want to thank Pastor Vincent for uh, making me feel so very, very welcome. You and your team uh, have been so gracious to me, so generous towards me, just picking up from the airport and uh, taking me out for meals. I think by the time I get home, I will be much larger. If there's one thing you do well over here, you eat. Everywhere you go, every time you go, it's time to eat. And uh, I could be in real trouble by the time I get home. My children may not recognize me. My wife might wonder who that man is who walked through the door. So that's a dangerous thing. And uh, I just, it's so exciting to be with you. I, I feel very much at home. Uh, not just because of the wonderful welcome uh, that Pastor Vincent and all the team have given me, but because I know uh, I am in a church and I'm with a group of people uh, that are very similar to our church uh, back in Melbourne, Bridge Church, uh, that has such a strong heart for mission as well. And uh, I, I want to congratulate you. I want to cheer you on uh, for your incredible giving over many, many years and uh, how incredible that last year you outgave what you had promised in faith to give. That's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And I, I have the privilege of uh, traveling to many, many churches across many, many nations. And uh, from what I can see, uh, for you as a church, you are an exceptionally strong mission church. You might think that your giving is normal for you, but you need to know that around the, the body of Christ, around the church, uh, across all of the world, you are in some of the highest levels of mission giving and mission focus. And uh, you are to be congratulated for that because you're carrying the heart of God. You are carrying the heart of God. Um, I, I also have to just remind you, as Pastor Vincent said, uh, my wife Sally and I, after many, many years of serving the church and seeing God do so many great things in our church back in Melbourne, uh, just want to reinforce what he said. We have resigned from the church. We have not retired. There's a very big difference. And uh, a few people have come up to me. Uh, in Australia and other nations, and they said, oh, Pastor Dave, are you enjoying your retirement? And uh, I don't know whether it's the Holy Spirit or I don't know whether it's my flesh. It may even be a demon. But every time that happens, I want to punch them right on the nose. I have not, we have not retired. We've just been called into a new season. And the new season is an incredible season of privilege where we are able to move literally wherever God asks us to go and to be able to strengthen and encourage churches uh, of all sizes, of all stages, and just be able to speak into them the heart of God for their next level, their next adventure in God. And so it's a great privilege to be with you, and I really want to encourage you to make sure that you understand how powerful this promise card is. At the end of our service this morning, you'll have opportunity to fill that out, and uh, it's an incredibly powerful, it's not something that I know you do lightly, it's very, very significant, and we're going to come to that uh, after we We've come to the Word of God this morning. Um, I wonder first, though, that we can just pray. Would you stand with me as we come to God's Word this morning? Father, I just thank you for your presence here this morning. Jesus, we thank you that 
Lord, as we come into this place to worship you, it's only because there was a time when somebody brought the message of the gospel to us. Father, we're so grateful for your salvation. We're so grateful for your love. We're so grateful for the, the power of the Holy Spirit and your call on our lives. And we pray this morning, I pray that God, just as, Lord, you touched the prophet Isaiah and his response was, God, I will go. Here I am. I will go. I will speak. I will declare your word to the nations. Lord, I pray this morning that Holy Spirit, that you will come and that as I share the word, that God, you will take that word and Holy Spirit, you will soften our hearts, quicken our hearts, let faith and wisdom and discernment rise in our hearts that we can empower your gospel to go to others. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. But don't take them far. It's a funny saying, isn't it? You may take your seat. I want to share this morning on an old, old story. And I'm sure that many of you who have been in church for any length of time uh, would be familiar with this story. Um, it's a story that at the time, it, it affected 5,000 people. But the reality is that the impact of this story has been going on for literally now thousands of years. The impact wasn't just limited to a day, but the impact is, is now going from generation to generation. And I believe that as we examine this story today, it will have an impact again into our lives and into the life of God's church. It helps us meet challenges that we may feel are overwhelming, but not only does it help us find faith to meet challenges, it helps us to realise that you and I can make an incredible difference in the world around about us. How many people know we were never called just to come to church? We were called to be the church in the world. And it's an exciting thing to come into church. It's an exciting thing to come into the community of faith. It's an exciting thing to come into a service full of worship. How many people love your worship team here at Glad Tidings? Oh, I think you should give thanks for the incredible job that they do week after week after week. It's a wonderful thing. I was looking at, uh, I'm not sure what you call them here, uh, but I'll call them the, the choir leader. And uh, I was so excited to see just so many different generations of children leading you in worship. Uh, but I was more excited to see the passion in the, uh, the choir leader, the worship leader. I thought she was going to take off she was, woohoo! exciting. And as wonderful as it is to come and to worship God, we have to realize that, yes, we come into the house of God to have our faith built, but our faith must then be taken out into the world, into our homes, into our workplaces, into our schools, our universities, into our communities, and literally the nations of the world. This story... If it happened today, would shut down Instagram. Instagram would melt down. Social media wouldn't be able to handle the buzz that it created. It would be on the front page news of every newspaper. It would be CNN's top story, BBC News top story. Everywhere they would be declaring this story that happened. And the title, what they would declare, what you would find across the papers would be very, very simple. It would be something like, Five loaves and two fishes feed 5,000. You know the story. 
that we're going to. We're going to come to it. We'll come up on the screen. It's found in Mark chapter 6. Before we show it on the screen, though, we have to just put the context in that, that Jesus has been ministering. He's been declaring life. He's been declaring God is a God of love. God is a God of grace and power. God's not angry. God wants to bring everyone into a saving knowledge through Jesus Christ. And as Jesus has been preaching and as Jesus has been demonstrating the reality of God, the crowds have been following. How many people know wherever Jesus is, there are crowds? Wherever the good news is declared, there are crowds because the world is desperate for the reality of Jesus Christ. The world is not desperate for church. The world is not desperate for religion, but the world is desperate for the reality of Jesus Christ. The world is desperate for the reality of the fact that God loves them and He wants to transform their lives. And as Jesus went and demonstrated the power and the love of God, crowds followed. So many crowds, the Bible tells us that the disciples and Jesus were so busy, they couldn't even have time to eat. And the crowds kept building and building. And then we'll pick up the story in Mark chapter 6, verse 35. It said, after ministering all day, it says it was late in the day. So his disciples came to Jesus and they said, this is a remote place. And it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. The disciples saw the need, but they were overwhelmed and wanted the need to go away. They wanted to get Jesus to simply tell all of the people who were hungry and needed feeding, just go away because the disciples thought they didn't have the answer. Verse 37, but Jesus answered, you, everybody say you, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Again, they're overwhelmed. Again, they don't have the answer. But Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fishes. Now, in the Gospel of John, it gives us a little bit more detail. In John, it says that they went out and they came back to Jesus and they said this, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will that go with so many? Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all as well. Now, I want you to realize as, as this story unfolds that, that Jesus didn't just pray that God, as, as he broke the bread, that the, the bread and fish would just fall from heaven. He, he didn't say to the crowd, now, I want you just to close your eyes, to lift up your hands, and as I break the, these loaves and I break these fish, it's just going to be multiplied right to where you are. He didn't operate like that at all. Jesus actually said to the disciples, I want to use you in my miracle. He said, I could do this all on my own. How many realize Jesus could have just prayed and everyone would suddenly have been filled? <laughs> he, he could have just gone, be filled! And it could have happened. But he didn't do that. Jesus wanted to demonstrate to the disciples 
that his agent of change in a situation like that was his disciples, was his believers, were, were his followers. And the truth is today that God operates in exactly the same way. Jesus was saying, I could, but I'm not going to do this on my own. I'm going to engage your faith. I'm going to ask you to be a participator in this miracle. You know, that's a very powerful principle, particularly when it comes to mission. When I got into a lift today in the hotel, there's something powerful about elevators. How many people are glad somebody invented the elevator? You know, if nobody had ever invented the elevator, we'd still all be climbing stairs. Every time you wanted to go, say, I'll put another stair. Here in Malaysia, you've got more stairs than I've ever seen in my life. So many high-rise places, wherever you go. If nobody had invented the elevator, and if the elevator isn't working, life would be very, very different. And I think that God is just like an elevator. He wants to take us from wherever we are, and He wants to lift us to a higher place. If we're hungry, He wants to lift us to a place where we have more than enough. If we're poor, He wants to lift us to a place where we have more than enough, that we may be blessed to be a blessing. If we are in a place where we have no hope, He wants to lift us up to a place where we are overflowing with hope and joy and faith for the future. If our families, our marriages, our relationships, our businesses are struggling, He wants to lift us up to another place. But here's the thing I've noticed about a lift. The lift is powerful. And the lift may have a great engine. But if I just get in a lift and stand there, what happens? Nothing. It goes nowhere until I press the button. You see, we have to engage with the principle of the lift. And it's exactly the same in the kingdom. Jesus is saying, I could do the miracle. I could. I could feed everyone here without you, but I'm not going to do that. I need you to engage in the miracle. And when I look at this, it says they all ate and they were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. So let me quickly look at this story of five loaves and two fish. What does it mean for, for you and I? I think what this story tells us is that, that Jesus is never, God is never surprised. He's never intimidated. He's never overwhelmed by the size of the challenge or the odds that seem to be against us or against the world and the needs of the world around about us. There's never ever been a day where God has woken up and thought, whoa, I never saw that happen. Whoa, I never imagined, I don't know what I'm going to do with that problem. Jesus didn't panic, even though there were 5,000 people. And I don't know if you've ever met 5,000 people, but if you did, I bet you'd panic. You see, in our lives, there are often circumstances come that we feel unprepared for. It may be a, a sickness. It may be a, a loss of employment. It may be a, a, a breakdown in relationships. In our natural world, there are often circumstances that seem completely overwhelming. But the truth is, no matter how big our problem, no matter how big the challenge, our God has the answer. Can you say amen? He's a God who is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He knows what's going on and He's never, ever 
He's never, ever intimidated or overwhelmed. And the beautiful thing is that when you come to the, the Great Commission, when you come to the call of the church to go into all of the world, it would be easy to look at that challenge and think, but God, how can we do that? It would be easy when you think about the 6.5 billion people on the planet, when you think about all of the nations still yet to be reached, all of the poverty, all of the starvation, all of the spiritual blindness and darkness. It would be so easy to sit and think, but God, how can I make a difference? God, what's the solution? How can we reach the world? And the truth is, God looks at that problem. He's not intimidated. He has an answer. And the answer is you. The answer is the church. The answer is, and it's always been that, that whenever God wants to do something, He looks for someone. And the truth is that when He looks at world mission, when He looks at reaching the nations, He's looking at you today. He's looking at me today. He doesn't see the crowd. He sees you and I. Five loaves and two fishes tells us that God doesn't need much to do something great. Little can be much in the hands of God. I, I, I remember when I first read this story, I, I laughed at the fact that when, when the, the disciples went out to, to find any food, to, to answer the question, what do you have, that they came back with a, a little boy. All they could find was a little boy. And I don't know about you, but I think in the natural, it would be a little bit like the response would be like, is that it? <laughs> Out of a crowd of 5,000, all you can do is bring me one little boy with five loaves and two fish. Is that it? Surely there's a restaurant owner out there somewhere. <laughs> Surely there's a, there's a baker Surely there's a caterer. Surely there's, there's a rich business person out there somewhere in that crowd. Surely there's got to be more than just one small child with just a couple of loaves and fish. But Jesus didn't, didn't balk. Jesus didn't hesitate. Jesus basically looked at that little boy, looked at what he brought and said, that'll do. That'll do. As small as it may be, in the hands of God, in the hands of the Saviour, he knew that it could be multiplied to meet every need. You know, the reality is that it's not the, so much who we are. It's not so much the size of the gift that we can bring. It's all about who Jesus is. And it's all about the fact that he is a supernatural God who can take whatever we bring to him and multiply it for the harvest. I love the fact that when we come to mission and when we come to giving and we come to actually making a difference, the reality is that every one of us can play a part. Every single one of us. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 will come on the screen. I love this. It's Paul exhorting the believers in the New Testament of, of how to give. And it says this, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart. I love that. Each of you, not, not just some of you, not just the rich among you, not, not just the, the pastors among you, but each of you, every one of you, every single one should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
Now, when you listen to the heartbeat of Paul, what Paul is saying that, that this is not about you have to do this. This is not about manipulation. This is not about you better do this. You have to do this. This is what you must do. This is about we get to. We, we get to be partners in the Great Commission. We get to be people who join in an incredible miracle where Jesus takes what we bring and, and multiplies it across the nations of the earth. Not that we have to, but that we get to and that every single one of us can. See, it's so important. Sometimes I know in, in our church that some people have come to me and they said, oh, pastor, I really don't have much. And, and it's almost as if they come ashamed of what they bring. But the reality is that whatever we bring, if we bring it in obedience and if we bring it in faith, then that offering is something that God can use and it attracts the favor of God back into our lives. Mark chapter 4 tells a beautiful story. Many of us will know that Jesus was there and he was watching people come and bring their offerings into the temple. And if you know the story, the Bible says that as he was watching, some of the rich people came in and the Bible's where it says this very specifically. Many rich people threw in large amounts. I can imagine today when maybe someone comes up to the church and they're Bentley, they're Maserati, whatever, and they're chauffeur, their driver gets out, the, opens up the door and the rich man, the rich women come out and then there's a, a bit of a parade as they come in and, and they just sort of bring their wealth and they, they just throw it there on the altar for everyone to see how much that they've given. Jesus didn't, didn't bat an eye. Jesus wasn't impressed at all. Can I say, when it comes to our wealth, it's not how much we give, it's how much is left behind. It's not how much we give, it's how much we hold on to that we weren't willing to give. But the Bible then says, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins with only a few cents. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in the treasury more than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all that she had to live on. The beautiful thing is this morning that you may feel that you only have a little to bring. But God looks at the heart. God sees the sacrifice and God rewards the faith of each and every one of us who give. I was sharing yesterday in the Saturday crowd that uh, in our home church, we, we invite all of the children to give as well. And I've had children come and they've handed me their mission offering for the year. And for some of them, as young as just six or seven, they've come and they've given me $20. I said, where did, you, where did that come from? And they've told me about how uh, every week they've put something aside from their uh, pocket money or they've done extra jobs or whatever. And I look at that $20 and I look at that child and I think, I think that gives God more joy than so many adults that have come and they brought so much more, but maybe not the same degree of sacrifice. Whatever we bring, never be ashamed of the amount. As long as it's in obedience and as long as it is in faith, Jesus will take it and Jesus will use it and Jesus will reward the one who brings. But if we are here in a place of abundance today, understand that our affluence causes the responsibility of influence. To those who have been given much, much is required. And if we have been blessed, it is to be a blessing. Five loaves and two fishes. It tells us that whatever God gives to us, He wants to use through us.
I think it's fascinating that this little boy, when he got up in the morning, and I don't know whether he made his lunch or whether his mum made his lunch, but I think it's fascinating that he came to that meeting, he got involved in the crowd, and he came thinking that it was his lunch. <laughs> and, you know, in a way it was. It had been given to him, and I guess he could either eat it or he could give it away. But there was a moment in time when the disciples came and looked in his eyes that the boy realized, it's been given to me, but Jesus wants it to be used through me. It's been given to me, but now I'm going to give it back into the Lord's hands, and he's going to use it. I tell you, when we as believers and when the church gets a hold of that revelation, everything changes. When we realize that whatever material wealth that we have, whatever resource we have in our lives, it's come from the throne of grace. The very breath that we breathe is a gift from God. If we have money in the account, it's a gift of God. If we have resource, it's already a gift of God that He's given to us. And now the test is, will we allow it to pass through us to be a blessing in the world around about? And I love it that this little boy understood that principle. Yes, it had been given to him, but now he had an opportunity to give it back. He had an opportunity to trust Jesus, and he had an opportunity to understand that if he gave it, God would multiply it. You know, in the Bible, there's a lot about sowing and reaping. And really, when we talk about mission giving, when we talk about our faith promises that you're about to sow in to your next 12 months of mission, the truth is that we're really not talking about just dollars and cents or ringgits. What is it? Ringgits and just ringgits. Is that what it is? Just ringgits? It's all you have. We have dollars and cents. You have ringgits. Much simpler. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> they say before you ever go to another country, do your research. <laughs> it's actually not about ringgits. It's about seed. And every farmer understands that when you receive seed, you have a choice. Some of the seed you eat. The seed is for you to enjoy. The seed is for you to, to sell, to, to barter with. But the ultimate purpose of all seed is not just to eat it. If you just eat all the seed, it's gone. The ultimate purpose of seed is not just to be gathered and consumed, but it is to be sowed again. And so the ringgit, the, the finance, the resource that we bring on a weekend like this is actually you and I understanding the law of, of sowing and reaping. The Bible tells us unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, it will never produce a harvest. If we sow sparingly, we will reap sparingly. But if we sow generously, we will also reap generously. And I thank God again for you as a church. Glad tidings that you've understood this principle year after year after year after year. That you've sowed and you've seen a great harvest of that. And I want to encourage you, oh, let, don't let the momentum stop. Every year as you come, like a farmer, don't be content with just one field. Don't be content with just the nations you are already in. Don't be content with what you've already given. As a church, let's expand. As a church, let's sow even more so that more can be reached. Five loaves and two fish. 
What does it mean to you and I right now in these closing moments before I invite Pastor Vincent to come? Well, I think it means that Jesus is still wanting to feed the 5,000. You see, Jesus wanted to feed them back then because he had compassion. And God is, our God is still a God of compassion. And we talk about a crowd of 5,000, but the reality is there are still millions in the world who have not heard. There are still millions in the world, all around the world, that desperately need the power of the gospel. And not just the gospel to save their souls, but the gospel to bring lift into their life, to transform communities and families wherever the gospel goes. God's heart is still moved with compassion. But it also tells us not only is there a great harvest, but God's agent of change is still the same today as it was back then. God's agent for change is you and I, every believer with the resource that we have. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18, I share this again with the Saturday congregation. Pastor shedding light and revelation to his church, challenging his church way, way back then with the same challenge that we are faced with. Verse 18, 1 Timothy 6 says, Command them, those that are rich in this world, those that have abundance in this world, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and be willing to share. Oh, if we are blessed, what an opportunity to be a blessing. But here's the final thought this morning. When I look at this five loaves and two fish, do you know the, the one who gives is ultimately the one who is blessed the most? It's incredible. I think about this story. There were a lot of people being blessed. 5,000 people were fed and blessed. And I think, can you imagine the stories? How every one of those people who received the fish, they would have gone home to their, their families, gone home to their communities and talked about, man, that's the best fish I've ever had. That's the best bread I've ever, I mean, and, and I don't know how it happened, but Jesus just kept on breaking. It just kept on multiplying. And, and man, I think I could live for a month on that food. It was awesome. Every one of them was blessed. The disciples were blessed. I, 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 I imagine the, the discussion the disciples had when they thought, boy, I don't know, we didn't know what to do. We just wanted to send them away. But then Jesus, he used us. He, 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 invited, he invited us to be in use, part of that. And they were, they were blessed because they understood that they had become instruments in the hand of God. But do you know who I think was more blessed than anybody else in this story? Not the 5,000, not the disciples. I think it was a little boy. Can you imagine the wonder and the awe in that little boy's life? Can you imagine when he went home and his mother asked him, how was the day? His mother might have asked him, how was your lunch? Did you enjoy your lunch? I imagine the little boy's eyes would have popped wide open. She would, he would have gone to his mom, oh, mom, you wouldn't believe what happened. These disciples came and they told me Jesus wanted to have my lunch. And, and mum, I, I maybe shouldn't have, but, but I just felt it was right. I just had something stir in my heart. And so I gave my lunch away, but Jesus multiplied it and it came back. And that little boy knew that he had been the one. He had been the one chosen by God to be the beginning 
of an incredible miracle. I don't think that little boy's life would ever have been the same again. We don't know what happened to him, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went on to be a great mighty man of God. The giver is always more blessed than anyone else. So my prayer this morning is I invite Pastor Vincent to come and, and just lead you through the actual act of completing your cards. My prayer this morning is that each and every one of us would be just like that little boy. That there would be a moment in these next few moments of our service that we would realize that Jesus is speaking to us. Jesus is asking us, will you give? Whatever it is that he is challenging you, will you give? Will you be the one who will be part of one of the greatest miracles that can ever happen on this planet? The gospel going to unreached peoples. Thank you for watching. Subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on anything new and stay connected with us on our social media.